You're listening to Auto D coming at you live. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the Auto D Show here on Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Networks, broadcasting from high above Camelback Road in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. The weather's creeping into the hundreds, hundred and tens, and it is getting hot out there. I am your host, Otto Daniolo, and this evening, my guest is an extremely talented singer-songwriter whose band derives its name from his initials, Mr. Michael B. Alexander, will be with me right after this first tune from the Fervor Records catalog called Waiting by Broken Bellows here on the Otto D. Show. Check it out.
And that was Waiting by the Broken Bellows here on the Auto D Show, which is brought to you by the wonderful people over at Fervor Records and TheRecordingArtist.com, where you can watch me cut new tunes with all kinds of bands live in the studio. That's right, you get to watch them record the basic rhythm track and then add instruments and finally cut the final vocals. You get to see the whole process come together layer by layer. So if you're into that kind of thing, head over to TheRecordingArtist.com and uh, check it out. And now... Uh, for the show today, we're actually doing a pre-record. It's in the middle of the afternoon, and it's pretty warm outside on this uh, lovely Tuesday afternoon. My guest is Mr. Michael B. Alexander of MB Alexander. Hello. How about if I turn your mic on? Hey. Hi. <laughs> so MB Alexander, I always wondered where that came from. Yeah. It's uh, phonetically, yeah. It, sometimes people hear it as MB, and that's accurate. Maybe messes with the google searches and you have to be uh you have to be hip to that these days but whatever well it's it's interesting because uh, we were just talking about band names Mm -hmm. and so you know that's a clever concept to identify it as your band how many band how many titles did you come up with for the band before you landed on this uh this one is pretty right off the bat we uh i had used this pen name for a long time uh being inspired by uh jd salinger using the, the the first two initials and i had used it forever and it seemed uh, when the band first started it wasn't necessarily going to be a band so then i could have that little selfishness or whatever mm-hmm. so you figured you might modify players or process and- yeah which has happened over the years pretty core number of members but um i guess at the very beginning it was just me. I mean, for maybe a month or so until mm-hmm. I needed to go out in the world and stuff, mm-hmm. play live shows. So when did MB Alexander as a band, when was that month? What year? I think it's 2013. It might be 2012. Okay. But we, I wanted to, I had done music projects in the past and I wanted to have a new band and I didn't want to announce it. I see lots of people announce bands uh, with nothing to show. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went quiet for a while cooked up a single and came out like with some with something to show and uh got it in the new times i remember melissa fossum used to write about us all the time i don't know where she went um but it was it's always awesome that you don't really have like we didn't have any songs never played a show and to be able to uh to get in the paper for your first single is a is a good way to step out of the door so it, it it seems more legitimate than me telling everybody to listen to it. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and and eight years ago, uh, I think you probably had a little bit more power uh, from the New Times post like that mm-hmm. or print like that than yeah. you do today because so much more is online. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I still think if you can get it in the physical paper, that's like the... Legitimizes that, in a way. Yeah. And I like holding them, holding them in my yeah. hands and I still scrapbook them or whatever. I like right. to, to ha- keep them all. Well, isn't it cool to have a fan who's a writer? Well, yeah, I don't know if she was a fan, but uh, I mean, it wasn't any favor or anything. I just, I like, yeah, I guess you call it a fan. I don't want, I didn't feel like it was a favor. She was very right. professional and. Was but just, she was interested. She I was mean, interested in, and took us seriously and it was cool to be taken seriously when you really had nothing to show right. why you should be taken seriously. Well, what's interesting is what you did have to show was the music. Yeah, hopefully that's what convinced her yeah well, i think it, <laughs> I, I think about that you know it's it's well you know when you state that you didn't have a lot out there to do it and you hadn't done a lot of shows or any shows yet, mm-hmm. 
uh, that's you know we'll have to get Melissa on the line. But my guess is somebody showed her the tune or told her about it, and she was or she was aware of you from previous projects. Yeah, I think so. And then uh, just enjoyed it. I've I have a fan. Uh, he's a friend and a fan, but he's uh, a writer as well. And so it's kind of like he always offers, "Hey, that's a great idea. Or that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Make a great story." And I'm kind of like, "Yeah, but everything in the paper about me you write, so you can't write, you can't write this, or it looks yeah. it looks funny, you know." No, I did have a friend like that, a journalist friend. When we started getting closer, then he stopped writing about me because he's such a good journalist. It was a conflict of interest, and I I respect him. But now I've learned if you meet somebody who is a journalist, then stay as far away as possible so that they can continue to write about you. <laughs> Isn't that a funny concept? <laughs> but I think it's true. We can't be friends because... <laughs> we can't be friends because I really want but yeah. like you and I want you to like me. That's funny. You know, and that's, uh, that's a whole other world too, you know, the, the press and media and dealing with music these days. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> In fact, you know, we're, we're at the end of, or maybe we're not at the end of, but we're certainly in uh, a difficult time with the lockdown and, the, mm-hmm. and businesses being shut down. And the impact that that's had on bands has been and venues yeah. has been devastating. Uh, everyone that I talked to, you know, went from looking forward to going on tour or yeah. playing a lot of dates to being completely unemployed overnight. Just boom, shows yeah. just canceled. Did you have a lot of shows lined up back in March and April when uh, this thing hit? Uh, not a lot, but we had our June, July national tour, Canada, mm. USA, uh. and that's about the time when we're starting to secure our big dates, and then I had a few, Salt Lake, Boise, Seattle, all lined up, and then we're looking to fill in the dates in the, in the next coming months to make a real tour out of it, so we're, yeah, we're not going on tour this year, but we, we got some good backup plans instead, um, but yeah, going to be very weird. First time in, I can't remember, not being on the road in the summer. Not being in Phoenix sounds like a scary thing. I don't remember what it's like because I'm always in you don't somewhere remember cool. What heat's like. Uh, yeah, I'm in the, I'm swimming in somebody else's river and I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. So just about every year you're out in the summer. Yeah, usually because my birthday's August 30th. So I can't remember the last time I've been home for my own birthday, which is bittersweet. Don't see my friends and family, but it's become pretty normal to be in the hot, hot times, mm-hmm. especially the monsoon kind of muggy days, be mm-hmm. somewhere. I mean, we were cold when we were in Canada. It's pretty wild to be cold on my birthday. Is something mm-hmm. Growing up here in Phoenix, that's pretty foreign concept. That's right. You're a native. Yeah. What part of the valley did you grow up in? I grew up in Glendale and Peoria, on the west side, mm-hmm. over 51st and Olive for the first part of my life that I can remember over by GCC kind of mm-hmm. um, then yeah stayed a, a West Sider for a long time always came downtown to be part of the artsy stuff because we don't really have much on the West Side or at least we don't have proper venues and stuff we did a lot of house shows and stuff my first shows were house shows mm-hmm. on the West Side and um, I still run into a lot of people that you kind of get a weird vibe. You end up talking to them, and I, I gravitate towards West Siders because we've dispersed now. I'm a downtowner person now, but downtown's uh, changed a lot. Yeah, my goodness, it's a place to be now. Yeah, that's you totally. Um, yeah, coming back from tour, it's unrecognizable just in a few months. Like the progress is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of places to eat downtown. 
Uh, and if you're, where are you downtown? I mean, you're just living, walking around downtown. Uh, I'd say bike ride, 14th Street, over by Garfield Elementary. Okay. Um, so mostly bike rideable stuff. But I, yeah, I'm not a real foodie kind of person. I have a garden and I like to cook at home. I mean, I'm foodie in that way, but I don't. Yeah. I'll go out for drinks or coffee and stuff like that. Venues. Mm-hmm. But not a big food person. I say my number one. So maybe Carly's is just always been oh, yeah. solid. Like yeah. somebody's comes in from out of town and it seems like they got something for everybody there. Yeah. Well, you're close to one of my favorite pizza places too. And that's Pomo's down there. I don't know if I know that one. No, is it on Camelback? Uh, no, you know where uh, the Nash is? Yeah. On, on Roosevelt? Yeah. Just go straight south. I think that's second Avenue maybe. Okay. You go straight south about a block and a half and it's on the east side of the road. <clears throat> There's so place. many little. It's right next to a, an Irish pub, actually, too. That's uh, down there. The Not Seamus by Hotel San Carlos. I think. I think yeah, maybe right across from. Uh, <laughs> what's the pasty Cornish pasty? <laughs> yeah, somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. All right, but check it out, Pomo's. Pizza. Yeah, yeah. It's a, if you're into pizza, I'm I'm a huge pizza fan, and maybe I'm talking a lot about food and pizza lately because I've been on this diet for like 65 days. That, okay. that ended a couple of days ago, oh. <laughs> and so now I can have bread. And okay. I I was a guy who had pizza and pasta every day at least once, hmm. you know, and so to just drop that cold turkey for two months was real was yeah. really difficult. Hmm. So I'm really excited about the uh, the recording artist series because they're bringing pizza. That's right. Every night, Bosco, Il, Il, Il Bosco, Bosco, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's you know, which we, we we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, to have a t- to have a pizza sponsor for a for a recording session, yeah, is kind of cool. Totally. So they let us uh, pick whatever we want. He says, just tell us ahead of time. So we ordered four pizzas for awesome. for the thing tonight, which is actually our debut. I guess we're kind of leaning into that a little, but. Um, the real fix will be there tonight, seven o'clock, and that's going to be. I, don't, I can tell you the four pizzas they order. If you want to go online and check them out, see what they eat. <laughs> but uh, that's going to be a blast, seven to nine. And then you guys are going to come in next week. You're going to be our second yeah. event mm-hmm. at therecordingartist.com. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, we're looking forward to the real fakes uh, taking all the the guinea pig work out of it for us. We're you, gonna. You know what they say: first one through the wall gets bloody. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we feel. So we're. We're we're all signed up and gonna watch, tune in tonight and see them. They'll do they'll do good, but any mistakes we'll learn from them. Yeah, and you know it's it's um, like performing on stage mm-hmm. is very different than when you make your records, especially totally. for an artist like yourself. You can spend a lot of time by yourself. Yeah, one doing one thing, doing the next thing, making a lot of decisions, taking your time, fixing and redoing, mm-hmm. and you can spend twenty thirty hours developing that recording before you ever really put it out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're doing it in two hours. So if you can't sing, you don't want to be on the show. Yeah. You know, if you can't play. Oh, okay. That, oh, you want to no. cancel it? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. All right. No, no I say if you, like a guy, you get guitar players, young guys in the studio a lot of times when they're newbies. And yeah. they, they hear in their head, Jimmy Page, right. but they can't really play like that. But they don't know it until they record themselves. No, I, yeah, I get it. I, you know, I think we all went through that starting out in the studio. It's, I always said I wouldn't be so, somebody who relies on the crutch of studio magic. But when you really have Pro Tools and you can record for hours and it yeah. doesn't cost anymore, yeah. I, I am a crutch guy. Yeah, like it's I don't a tool. have to play a I don't have to play a lick in one yeah. pass. I mean, even like a a little lick. Like I don't even have to do six seconds straight. I mean, <laughs> I know. And so it's been it's been cool to like learn a song knowing 
people are going to be watching you. You have to really play the song that you wrote. <laughs> and I think the thing, the thing that excites me the most about it is you have to decide to move on. You have to mm-hmm. accept a less than perfect performance. Sure. When you're used to picking perfect and doing it till it's perfect, mm-hmm. just putting on your best foot forward, your best makeup, your best look. Yeah. It's like, nope, you're going to go, that's really good, that's great. From here we can keep going, next layer, next layer. And so it's, it feels a little more live when you're done, like yeah. a show, but a little more controlled than a show because you took a little more time. Yeah, totally. We've been thinking of it. It feels closer to a live yeah. thing in our approach. And knowing not to be frustrated, like, yeah, it's not studio, studio quality. I don't know. It kind of feels like uh, I really like Peel sessions mm-hmm. from back in the day. Those are some of my favorite recording sessions of bands I like. They're the radio, they're the kind of raw thing, but it's not with the live audience. So there's no background noise. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. You're seeing the band in their real, how they really play with no real safety net. This one's got a little bit more, but um, yeah, it feels like maybe these are the true recordings. Mm Mm-hmm. For me, it's fun to have that extra element in the process. Mm-hmm. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a blast. And for you guys, it might be a little work from the standpoint of your music requires a certain level of production. And to hear this thing come together yeah. in two hours is like, I'm excited to see what you've prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I don't think we've even finalized it. Like We're tweaking this and that, and we definitely think it's going to change organically the day of, mm-hmm. but we try not to rely on that and come in with a definitive plan, and if it changes, it changes, but... Um. Yeah, it's it's interesting to yeah I, I I think that a lot about our stuff that it needs production. I'd say that's typically our aesthetic. Um. So it'll well, be, as you two or do you play with any background supporting tracks or is it all just live? Uh, we do play with backing tracks sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some loops are just kind of required to to represent what you did on the record. Totally. <clears throat> yeah, and. Uh, it's mostly stuff. Yeah, I don't know. We go back and forth. We love taking a song that's super big production and then playing a stripped down version live. And sometimes we like trying to match the record more. And sometimes the live is better or bigger production than the recording. It, it mm-hmm. can go any direction. Just I think it keeps us fresh and fun on the road. That there is no real rules. And then by the time the tour's over, it could have changed from show one to show 30 or whatever mm-hmm. well on this tour that just didn't happen yeah. how many guys were are in the band it would have been four of us mm-hmm. in the van yeah and uh, do you uh are you playing multiple instruments yourself during the shows uh in the last few years i just go guitar and sing mm-hmm. and i'll control some of the the tracks and stuff and i have a few effects but i don't i've played keyboard and maybe some percussion in the past but i don't like to too clunky kind of come full circle and just very streamlined punky kind of thing like plug Mm -hmm. in and i don't try to fiddle too much and keep keep the songs the focus and the energy the focus rather than pushing stuff all all Mm -hmm. night kind of let you relax a little more and perform that might be it yeah i hope that because sometimes i ask myself that if it's uh if there's a bucket of worms I don't want to open because it's a difficult process to learn a, a new set of technologies, uh, if I'm just being scared of trying something difficult and I'm I'm kind of copping out by just playing a guitar, 
there, I think it's a, a double-edged sword there. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think that you see both sides of a lot of issues. Yes, <laughs> conflicted. <laughs> I get frozen that. Frozen with fear in the center. You know, you can be, which again for me makes makes this experience for you on the recording artist show really exciting for me because yeah. I think you wouldn't choose to do this necessarily. Yeah, I mean, not even not choose it. It's something I have at least out loud amongst my collaborators, artist friends, and the band themselves that we don't think it's important and probably counterproductive to show the behind the scenes stuff. Right. I don't, I really believe in aestheticism and the idea that you judge the art upon its artistic merits and not who made it or how you made it. And I think that makes you have to be a little stronger too as an artist, because if I, this funny example I use a lot is like, if you've seen a painting and you hate it, and then somebody tells you that a, an elephant painted it, you know, because they get those elephants at the zoo right. to do them sometimes. And then you say, oh, well, now I kind of like it. And I don't, it, the context matters, but like, is the painting actually terrible? Because you thought it was terrible. And now you learned an elephant did it is an odd uh, philosophical idea there. And right. so if you think your songs are good, then try to do it without any kind of rags to riches story or something that you might think that, to catch the people's ear mm-hmm. can the song stand up on its own in the modern times of social media and stuff it's rarely would a song just be audio and no you don't even see the cover of the album right. or see some kind of youtube thing involved but i still try to start from that standpoint that the, it must stand up on its own well, I think, uh, you know, it's interesting where we're just going to go. I just pulled up uh, your songs on Spotify here to play mm-hmm. something. But in shuffle mode, which is something we didn't have before with digital playback, really, yeah. um, is when I think, and now especially shuffling streaming services where you're actually going to hear stuff you haven't heard, mm-hmm. is fun because you, you start to listen while you're not watching and it's back to music and you can go, oh, that's interesting. What is it? And then when you go find out what it is, you go, oh, I don't like those guys. Right, <laughs> exactly, yeah. So now it's not cool. Or, oh, yeah. I didn't realize they were that cool. So you have a preconceived notion. And I love not having the visual right. and just having a song mm-hmm. to see how it stands up. Totally. And I find that, you know, from, from my background, I don't necessarily go for production. I like quality production. And big pop productions sometimes, you know, are really, really exciting for me. But then you hear something that just sounds completely wrong, but it sounds completely honest. Like if it sounds to me like it's important for you to say mm-hmm. that this this really you had to write this song, the production is almost irrelevant. It can be really broken down, and you can sing out of tune a little, and uh, I, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Get too far, and I, it's hard for me to listen. But uh, so it's it's production has its place. Yeah. But that but that audio only experience I think really lets you measure it. Mm-hmm. Let's play one of your tracks. All right. I've got uh, you pulled up here. Up in the Air, I think you mentioned it was one of the latest singles, correct? Yeah. When it, did this drop? This would have been just in the last couple months, maybe April. It was supposed to coincide with this upcoming tour. So. Okay. And is it out now? I guess it's out now. I'm on Spotify a, yeah. checking it out. So let's uh, see if I can figure out how to play it.
listening to ROD coming at you live. Almost live today. <laughs> so that was a cool track. Cool, thanks. Very cool. It kind of reminds me of the, a little bit of a Beach Boys influence. That's always present, I think. Yes. Brian Wilson is my favorite. Yeah? Yeah. I like that he was the producer and the artist. Kind of rare, really wearing both hats. Especially then. Uh, yeah, especially then. But yeah, Phil Spector and George Martin in that same time. But they, I think they could play and they could sing, but not like Brian. Yeah. He was something special. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy the movie um, Love and Mercy? Is that what it was called? Yeah, Paul Dano. I was very reluctant to see it because I really do like Brian a lot and I figured it would be something I didn't like. I don't, again, with the aesthetic thing I'm talking about, I want to know Brian from right. his work and not from somebody's weird interpretation. So I saw it real late, but I saw it because I do like Paul Dano that. The, who played him as the young man, not mm-hmm. Cusack. And I, I liked it, but I'd rather put on a Beach Boys record than ever watch that movie again. But <laughs> Right. Um, yeah. Interesting. When did you first discover the Beach Boys? Is that something your parents had at the house? Yeah. Um, besides, like, their radio stuff, Surfing USA and stuff, um, my dad got me his his smile record when it came out and uh that's brian doing the lost quote-unquote beach boys record that never got finished brian wilson did it himself in the early mid 2000s and it was really strange because i thought i liked i I really liked the beatles and so my dad thought i might like the beach boys but i associated them with their earlier stuff Mm -hmm. which i didn't like so much just like i have the same feeling about the beatles Mm -hmm. i i prefer after rubber soul and i prefer after you know pet sounds and beyond on for the beach boys so i'd never heard of this uh smile the concept of the whole lost album and stuff so that really got me thinking about just music with orchestration and weird harmonies just way outside the box and mm-hmm. i'm very glad that they finished that record since then as the as the beach boys but my yeah that really got me into brian cool yeah now back to the band mm-hmm. um some of these groups are starting to book shows again starting to get back on the road mm-hmm. how about you guys you got any plans we are gonna cancel the tour i think we've done it all but i guess this is our public announcement now but we're going to go. We're not going to do any of the dates that we had a handful of dates booked for the big national tour, but um, just too unsure about how to make it a full tour. We could probably honor the few dates, but to make a full tour, we couldn't make it happen. So we're going to record some. We're going to go to Cincinnati in July, actually, at Sabbath Recording. There, uh, It's run by the guys from the band called pomegranates and they had their tour they were on the big tour with uh band of horses this spring and that got canceled for them so we're all kind of in the same boat and i think it will scratch our itch of being on the road we'll we'll drive out there but we won't play any concerts it'll be very odd the traveling but you know it's usually punctuated each night by a concert so we we really do enjoy each other's company and i think it'll be fun to do the hotel thing we'll probably camp if we find some cool campgrounds go swim in and so you're recording with these guys is it a, is it a group project or are you are they producing your recording yeah they're producing and engineering okay. 
and so it's like kind of a cool story of them you know over time building their own personal studio and it's become this full-fledged real real cool space so um, we've always been huge fans of pomegranates and um yeah so the timing was right like so maybe something good will come from not playing a tour feels really it doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. but yeah um this will be fun it'll be different and i don't think we've we've been through cleveland on tour but we've never been to cincinnati so that'll be fun too i like seeing new cities cool yeah so now who else is in the band uh kyle grabsky he plays bass and then jeremy lentz he plays drums and austin harshman he plays guitar and sings a lot plays a lot of keys um that's the main four we get jorge was on the last tour before this last one um yeah we have all sorts of friends but those four mm-hmm. are the and primarily the writing though and for the band is all your work yeah i definitely bring the songs i always say different levels of cooked by the time i present them to the band um and then really just make it a reality with the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how old were you when you first got into your first band? Uh, maybe like 13, so playing been- house shows, yeah. And then we would playing, this is like punk bands and stuff, uh, garage bands. We played the Mason Jar before it was what we now know as the Rebel Lounge. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, they used to not let us stay in there because it's a, like a real proper club with a bar and stuff, and they'd mark our hands or make us whatever. Because you weren't old enough to we, be there. Yeah, not old enough to be in there. So then we we were allowed to play, and everybody's <laughs> got a when we did that. That's beer in their hand, and then we got to go out the back door. But we always laughed because we, we were drinking in the alley. Right. So it's like I think it's much more responsible to have us come inside you know, they're covering their own butts, I'm sure, but you can't be in here. So we'd go in the alley and drink beer anyway. Right. So it's like, <laughs> joke's that's, on them, I guess. Yeah, and it's just, that's the typical rock and roll story, you know. But um, And we'd open for touring bands that'd come through, and then they didn't, you know, they didn't follow the rules. So right. And they didn't maybe even know how old we were. Right. I'm sure I looked eight when i was 13 (laughs) (laughs) what was the name of that band that would have been spray paint heroes spray paint heroes that's a cool name yeah i think that was named after uh a lyric from a subhuman song about uh i don't know what i'm allowed to say on here (laughs) what what lyrics i'm allowed to say on the air Mm -hmm. here but yeah spray painting the walls and taking it down the government Mm -hmm. and yeah Okay. Subhumans, great band. Well, how about uh, other band names? I mean, it's naming bands, as we mentioned, MB Alexander was an easy one to come up with for this last time mm-hmm. around. But uh, has you, have you ever had a real struggle with bandmates to come up with that perfect name? Uh, with Spray Paint Heroes, I came in as the as a new guy, so I didn't have any say in that. And then, yeah, the, uh, it's hard to do that. I've definitely been in some projects. And yeah, anything that has... Four opinions is hard to get done. Where to eat or, or whatever, yeah. What? Who's out of tune? And who's yeah, really. Tune. Who's out of tune? Who's rushing? Who's staying in the van tonight? So when you guys are on tour, what kind of lifestyle is it? Is it all all everybody in one van and everybody sharing one room and keeping the cost down? Yeah, a lot of cooking for ourselves. We like to bring a little propane stove. Mm-hmm. Um, 
a lot of nature stuff. So like we'll, co- we'll go get some potatoes and go out to a river and keeps the the is free fun is what we call it. Free fun. Go mm-hmm. out to a river, go swimming. Yeah. Um, so we were in the Redwoods this last one. We uh, arrived at the Redwoods in, at night. So you didn't really see them. And I hadn't seen them in my whole life. Um, so we fall asleep in the Redwoods camping. Wow. And so then to wake up, it, like, and you had no idea where you were, that was pretty amazing. So a lot of that kind of stuff. Very cool. Uh, Gla- Glacier National Park in Montana was something that was really mind-blowing. This most recent tour, I didn't think we had anything like that in America. We had seen stuff like that in Canada, but we have our own little, like, glacier lakes, the really teal, weird, blue mm-hmm. lakes. Pretty amazing. Cool. Uh, are you a big fan of fish? Uh, like you, the jam ever- band? Actually, no, I was thinking of the, the, like the, the animal. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, do you go fishing when you're out too and then like cook oh. fish? Do you catch your food while you're out too? No, nothing that. Nothing um, that extravagant? No. Um, one time we had a guitar player, Pete. Uh, I don't know how much he wants story of this story he wants me to tell. Well, so his name isn't Pete. Right. I was going to say his name. There's Bob. <laughs> Bob. He had a... Uh, he had a DUI, and we didn't know, but Canada won't let you in to Canada with a DUI. So we didn't know that. We have tour. We got tour dates books. We had to leave them in Washington. Wow. And uh, we came back three or four dates, like Vancouver. I think we were out on the island, Vancouver Island, too. I don't remember. But we came back after a few days, and we had left him at a hotel, and he had gotten himself we'd google mb alexander every day to see what presses hit because we're, we're waiting for press like the local new times of whatever of every city so we're always googling our name looking for who's writing about us who saw the concert last night and then we see pete's on the front page of some tiny city and he's uh crab fishing and so we can't like get a like a proper review of a concert or whatever but pete or bob whatever his name is um <laughs> He uh, he accidentally gets in this newspaper for crab fishing, and he didn't even know he was going to be in the paper. He claimed so. He said uh, so. He never mentions the band. Well, he didn't mention to the band, but I said like, "There's a guy. He shows up on the dock and he takes your picture." And he's like, "Yeah, that's right." And then and then he writes down your name. He spelled it right here. Yeah, that's right. He so he wrote your name down in a little booklet. You didn't think he was. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I would I would have asked questions, and he was just oblivious to it's like. I don't know. So yeah, he has done the the living off the land thing, but I've never, I haven't done that. Well, that's pretty funny. You're out, you're out in Canada, googling the band's name, wondering what's up, and here he is on the cover of yeah. little newspaper fishing. Exactly. That's funny. That's a great story. <laughs> and uh, you know, things. I think that when you're in a band and you're on the road, all kinds of stuff like that happens. But but le- having to leave him in a hotel while you leave the country, that had to be a weird moment or event. That w- yeah. It, not knowing the laws, I guess it's on us, but um, it's pretty funny because then we talked to some Canadians and Canadian bands and they and we asked them if they take DUIs that seriously and they claim that they all have DUIs. So it's like a rivalry thing, like you can't have an American DUI. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, we definitely had to adjust real quick and we had, you know, no rehearsals to get ready for a 
one less guitar player for a string of Canadian yeah, shows. I was going to say that had to be kind of odd. I mean, it was either skip four or five Canadian shows or leave Pete in a hotel, Bob in a hotel. And uh, yeah. Well, and had you played these venues before or was this a new stretch for you? Mm. We definitely played the cities before. I don't, I, re- mm-hmm. I don't remember the clubs, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interesting. Very interesting. It's a cool story. Well, then the very next thing for you is the band is really going to be hitting, getting out to Cincinnati and doing the, the new recording sessions. Yeah. The play, let's see. Radio interview. I've always got my mental calendar going. Radio with Otto. Then the recording artist. That's right. June 9th. And then, yeah, Cincinnati. We'll head out early, July 10, to get there in time. And then be in studio, I think, three or four days. And then come home. Some of the when you start doing the concerts again, I mean, we I was booked to do a show in Canyon Lake, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an indoor concert, mm-hmm. and it's it was canceled. It was it was March or was in May, early May, and uh, they postponed it till potentially August first. Okay. They've confirmed it for August first in an outdoor venue, the, the indoor and outdoor performance areas. Okay. And now they're, but they're doing it only with people coming in, staying six like seats apart. Mm. So we're going to be on stage playing on, on an outdoor seated performance with people just spotted in, in the audience. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's such a strange, that's such a strange thing when usually you see all these people together yeah. and now you're going to be, now there's just going to be these solo, you know, totally. It's going to be a strange experience. Yeah. I think, I definitely try to bring my energy every night, no matter if it's a Tuesday in a small crowd or a Friday, but you just can't deny that the crowd makes or breaks a show for sure. If they show up with energy, then I show up with better energy and it goes back and forth. It's a conversation, yeah. Absolutely. So I don't want to knock it because I'm happy to hear that shows are going to happen at all. So I'll try to not be too uh, greedy Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's just the first step, and people are healthy, and we can have well, crowdeder and crowdeder shows. Yeah. Well, an interesting uh, thing about this is that venues, <clears throat> let's say a venue that normally wouldn't bring in MB Alexander because you could only fill a third of the venue. All right. Well, now they can only sell a third of the venue, hmm. so they can't afford to pay the guys they would bring in, and they are going to be looking for bands that could sell out a third of the venue because that's a sellout for them if they start spacing people out hmm. not only that these this type of venue that's that size when these bands just like you canceled your tour they canceled the tour so they've lost dates that are for the rest of the year because the band canceled the tour that started in march or april right so they actually have a lot of dates to fill and they can't get those bands back those bands will, they'll pick up next year on tour again. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of dates to fill, and they can only sell a third of the house. And I think it's going to be a great opportunity for mid-level bands to step into nicer arenas and, and play in some brand new places because yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a solution for problems mm. that both of us have, yeah. the venues and the artists. Yeah, that's interesting. So with that in mind, think of those places that you wouldn't have approached before, bigger right. venues in some of your markets, and see if they've got dates to fill where they're looking for hmm. a band that can move a third of the crowd. I feel like it'll be like a Barry Bonds, like with an asterisk by my name. I'll play <laughs> That's Madison Square Garden, but with asterisk. an asterisk. Yeah. That's funny. You know, and, and who knows where it's going to go? I mean, I don't know where this is going to go. 
but uh, they might start tearing out seats, and you know who who knows. <laughs> I, I have no clue. I know that everybody has, at this point, has a different perspective, a different plan, you know. And I, we went out uh, the other night to uh, Guitar Center, mm-hmm. but before we got there, we stopped to have a meal because they just opened the restaurants up. We go into this restaurant we've never been at, but we'd always driven by. No one's wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. None of the staff, none of the patrons. It's like, well, I guess it's over, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we go to Guitar Center. Oh, you can't come in without a mask. All the, you can't only let so many people in. We're six feet apart on the sidewalk, waiting in hundred mm. degree weather to get into the store. And it's like, okay, it's, we're, we're a block and a half from the restaurant. Mm-hmm. But it's just the way everybody is dealing with trying to, you know, handle this whole pandemic situation totally. and lockdown situation is is different. So then I just walk around with a mask in my pocket. It's mm-hmm. like. You know, do I need a mask to be here? Do I need a mask to be here? Mm-hmm. It's kind of kind of wild. Yeah. And this whole concert thing, getting back to that, it's going to be interesting to see what venue, how these venues open up. Right. It's going to be really difficult for them. Yeah. And that's that. So, hey, is there anything else that you'd like to share uh, with your fans as MB Alexander gets its wheels rolling again? Um, we've got a new interview out in the entertainer magazine it's supposed to be arizona's yeah best cool uh, thing i can't find one but i'm i'm not out in the world too much but they said they're gonna mail me one cool but if you can find them really cool magazine looks like lifestyle magazine in general yeah it's a nice food magazine. stuff yeah. and nightlife so did you get the cover or just an interior story or what's interior good? music story yeah okay but it really good uh interview awesome I'll have to check that out. And that was just uh, published then? So the recent issue? Yeah, it was supposed to be the May issue, but everything was kind of pushed mm-hmm. back. So it was kind of like the May-June issue. Okay. Hey, and on that note, it sounds like we're wrapping up here. Well, listen, thanks in the middle of this hot day for coming in and chatting yeah, with you. me. thank you. And it's been fun to catch up. And I look forward to seeing you uh, next week at the Recording Artists yeah. and hearing some new stuff. It's going to be fun. All right, Michael, take care. Thank you. Thank you.